0: Welcome to the Valleybrook Community Church Podcast and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our current series, Unshakable Hope. Unshakable Hope is a reminder of the hope we have in Christ, how it is enduring and withstands and lasts through the ages. The hope that comes with knowing the God who sees us, loves us, and will never leave us. To watch any of our previous messages or find all listening platforms, we encourage you to visit www.valleybrook.cc forward slash on demand. Enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. We want to welcome you to our Granby campus as well as our online campus. We're glad you've joined us today. I want to start with a story I read about a man named Doug Coe. Doug had a ministry in the Washington, D.C. area, and he ministered to people both in politics and in government. And Doug was an interesting follower of Jesus who had a unique way of doing things. Let me share with you how he taught one man how to pray. Doug became acquainted with Bob. Bob was an insurance salesman who had completely, who was completely unconnected with government circles, and he became a Christian. And so Doug began to meet with him to help him learn about his new faith. So one day, Bob came in to see Doug, and he was all excited about a statement he had read in the Bible where Jesus says, ask whatever you will in my name, and you will receive it. Is that really true, Bob? exclaimed Doug said, yes, it is true. Now listen, it's not a blank check. You have to take it in the context of the teaching of Scripture. But yes, it really is true. Jesus really does answer prayer. Great, Bob said, that I'm going to start praying for something. I think I'll pray for Africa. Well, that's kind of a broad topic, Doug said. Uh, Why don't you narrow it down to one country? All right, he said, I'm going to pray for Kenya. Do you know anyone in Kenya? He, he asked. No. Have you, have you ever been to Kenya? He asked. No. I just want to pray for Kenya. So Doug made an unusual arrangement with Bob. He said, listen, I'm going to challenge you to pray every day for six months for the country of Kenya. And if you would do that and nothing extraordinary happens, then I'm going to pay you $500. But If something remarkable happens, Bob, then you're going to pay me $500, but all of this is contingent on you praying every day. If you don't pray every day, then the whole deal is off. Well, Bob is excited about this, and so uh, he decided that he would begin to pray, and he took the challenge. And he started praying every day, and for a while, nothing happened. But then one night, he was invited to a dinner in Washington, and as the people at the table began to explain what they did for a living, one woman said that she helped run an orphanage in Kenya, and it was the largest of its kind. Now, Bob said, you know, I immediately saw my $500 suddenly sprout wings and fly away, but he couldn't keep quiet. He he began to pepper this woman relentlessly with question after question. And she said, you're obviously very interested in my country. Uh, Have you ever been there before? And Bob said, no, I haven't. Do you know anybody in Kenya? No. Then how do you happen to be so serious about it? He said, well, and then he explained the challenge he had. And she turned to Bob and said, listen, if you'd like to come to Kenya and visit the orphanage, I would love for you to do so. Bob was so eager to do so. He he would have gone that night if he could. So when Bob arrived in Kenya, he was immediately appalled by the lack of basic health services and the poverty And when he got back to Washington, he couldn't help but think about that. And he decided he was going to do something. He knew a lot of pharmaceutical companies, and he began to write to them. And he said, listen, you know, I've been to Kenya. There's a huge need there. I know every year you throw away unused medical things that could benefit this country. Would you consider sending them to this orphanage in Kenya? And some of them did. In fact, they received over a million dollars worth of medical supplies. And the woman at the orphanage called Bob up one day and said, Bob, this is amazing. We've had the most phenomenal gifts from the letters that you wrote. And we'd like you to fly over here because we're going to have a huge party to celebrate this. Will you come? Bob flew to Kenya. While he was there the president of Kenya came to the celebration because this was the largest orphanage in the country. And he talked to Bob and he offered to him to come to Nairobi, the capital city, and he would show him around. So in the course of their tour, they saw a prison. And Bob asked, you know, well, what kind of people are in this prison? And the president said, uh, well, they're, they're political prisoners. Bob said, oh, uh, that's, that's a really bad idea. You, you should let them go. Bob flew back to uh, the States. He uh, began doing what he did in his job. And then sometime later, he received a phone call from the State Department of the United States government. They said, is this Bob? He goes, yes. Were you recently in Kenya? He said, yes. Did you make any statements to the president of the country about political prisoners? Yes. What did you say? I told them they should let them go. The State Department official explained that they had been working for years to get the release of these prisoners to no avail. Normal diplomatic channels and political maneuvering had led to a dead end, but now the prisoners had been released, and the State Department said it had been largely because of Bob. So the government was calling to say thank you for what he had done. Several months then go by, and the president of Kenya calls Bob up, and he said, listen, I'm getting ready to rearrange my government and do a a reorganization, and I'm going to select a new cabinet. I would like you to come to my country, and I'd like you to spend three days with me, and I'd like you just to pray over this selection. Now, remember, he's totally politically unconnected, but he boards this plane, and he goes back to serve the president of Kenya this way, all because he began to pray And ask God to do something. Today we're going to talk about the unshakable hope of answered prayer. And let me just remind you that this is not wishing prayers would be answered. This unshakable hope means that we're certain that God answers our prayers. In fact, Jesus told us this numerous times. In the Gospel of John, he says this, Until now you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive And your joy will be complete. In the Gospel of Matthew, he said this. When two of you get together on anything at all on earth and make a prayer of it, my Father in heaven goes into action. In Jesus' own words... He tells us that God answers prayers. So with that in mind this morning, we're going to look at the truth that God answers all of our prayers. Now, look, I've I've taught on this before, that God answers all of our prayers. Uh, But before I've done that, and today I want to take you in a deeper way. I believe that as we spend this time together, that both your understanding and your practice of prayer are going to go deeper. Because God answers our prayers, and He wants us to pray to Him. So obviously, when we think about the ways that God can answer our prayers, the first one, when it can oftentimes be disappointing, is that God can answer us with a no. Now, let's look at this from the point of view of a parent. Now, we've all been children. Some of us have been parents. And think about this, you know. When a child makes a request to a parent, a parent loves their child and they want to give them whatever they ask for unless there's something in it that would be bad for them or the child doesn't understand the bigger context. And and then unfortunately, they're going to get a no to that answer. Some of our prayer requests that we bring to God are going to get an answer of no. They're going to be no because they're a wrong request no matter how much we want it or how sincere we are. Some of the prayers that we want answered won't be answered because God knows what's best for us. He can see all things and knows all things and he knows it wouldn't be good for us. And sometimes we don't get that answer because we don't understand the fullness of God's will. Now there's an interesting story. In the Gospel of Luke that illustrates this idea. Jesus has sent some messengers on ahead. and We read this in Luke chapter 9. They've gone into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him, but the people there did not welcome Jesus because he was headed for Jerusalem. Now when the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? Now, let me put this request in context. Earlier in this chapter, Jesus has given the disciples power to heal and authority to cast out demons, and now they seem to be, feeling, to be feeling emboldened by their new power, and this is a sincere request for them, but it's sincerely wrong, and Jesus' answer is no, and he lets them know that. Eugene Peterson says that Jesus' response was, of course not. Now, did Jesus love these disciples? Of course he did. Did he not want them to use their power and the authority that he had given them? Of course he did. But their request, as I said, was sincerely wrong. And so, when God's answer is no, we have to trust that God knows best. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, I'm with you that God could say no to some things, uh, but how could it be best that somebody suffer or even die? All, uh, all I prayed for was that uh, that person would get well. So how can it be so bad to ask that? You know, you probably have asked a prayer like this, or maybe you know somebody who's, who's prayed a prayer for someone to get well, and they didn't get well, and, and it's hard for us to wrap our minds around it But at the end of the day, we have to trust that God is good and that God knows more than we know and that God can be trusted. We have to remember that our time on earth is a short time compared to eternity. Our time on earth is only preparation for eternity. So while we think earth is our home, it's not heaven is our home. Pastor James White shares a simple truth that he says helps us trust God when the answer is no to our prayers. He reminds us that nothing happens to you as a Christian that does not first pass through the hands of a God who wildly is in love with you. He's wildly in love with you. So yes, sometimes God answers our prayers with a no. Sometimes, though, God answers our prayers not with a no, but with a slow. In other words, slow down. So, for instance, the timing's not right. It's like God God is saying, be patient and trust me. Now, intellectually, we know that God is all-knowing and all-seeing, but do we trust God when the answer comes back as not yet? Could it be, rather, that God is saying to us, hold on. Slow down. I'm working on this with you. I think about that in my own life. Back in the 1990s, I sensed that God was calling Cynthia and me to start a new church to reach people for Christ. We started praying about this calling, and then I went to the leaders who were in authority over me, and I shared with them my sense of calling, and their response was, not now. It was, wait until we seek the counsel of others. And so, you know what? I could have been very discouraged by the response, but instead I I took this as God saying, slow down and learn everything you can about what it takes to plant a church. So I started reading books. I started looking for seminars to attend. And to my amazement, I discovered that the local seminary actually offered a class on church planting. So I, I immediately enrolled for it and I took it. And to this day, I see finding that church planting class and God's answer of slow down as directly linked. Had I been given the green light to of go in answer to my initial prayers about planting a church, I would have never slowed down to learn everything I learned about church planting. And I can tell you, I know we would have never ended up planting a church here in New England. You see, oftentimes when we pray and we don't see God answer with a yes, we immediately think it's a no. You know, when those church leaders immediately responded to me, not yet, while I was not fully discouraged by them telling me not yet to planting a church, I'm not sure if I saw this immediately as God saying, slow down. But I knew the calling to plant a church was clear and strong, and so I prayed, and I spent time listening to God, and I came to understand that the message wasn't no, but that it was wait and trust God. There's a great truth in Scripture that may help us have some peace about getting this kind of slow down answer from God. It's from Isaiah chapter 55, and God says this. He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, I'll be honest. I'm not a patient person. It's difficult for me to wait, especially when I think I know what I'm supposed to do. And maybe you're like that too. But as followers of Jesus, we've got to allow God to be God in our lives. To recognize that God knows all things, that he sees all things, and thus it's important for us to remember that God's timetable is always better than ours, and it's filled with more wisdom and insight and love for us than we could possibly ever imagine. God is obviously in access of the full picture, all the information about the dynamics of our situation, knowing things that we can't even fathom. So we have to trust God. So God can answer all of our prayers. And sometimes he does with a no. Sometimes he may answer them with a slow down. And sometimes he may answer them with a grow up. All right? So when God answers us with a no, it means that we're asking for the wrong thing. So God will not answer with a yes. But what if? What if we're asking God to do something that's not wrong, but what if something's going on in our life that's wrong? In other words, what if there's something in us that we need to deal with and grow up and mature about? It could be choices that we've made. It could be attitudes that we have, lifestyles that we've embraced that have set up a barrier between us and God. Now, this is hard to think about because when we think God isn't answering our prayers or answering them the way we want Him to, we automatically think the problem lies with God. He's simply not that interested in us. He's not fully briefed on our situation. He doesn't really care. He isn't able to perform or He just doesn't understand. That's the kind of things we think. But what if the real problem was with the person who was praying the prayer, the person in the mirror? What if the answer God is giving to our prayer is that we need to work on our lives? So I'm going to walk through this area in more detail because I think this will take us deeper, both in our understanding of and in our practice of prayer. So what are those things that could go wrong in our lives that God wants us to grow up about? Well, the first thing that could be wrong in our lives is this, unconfessed sin. Sin's a big deal with God. Sin separates us from God, and Scripture is very clear that we need to confess our sin and repent to be in a right relationship with God. So if we know that sin separates us from God, it should be no surprise that unconfessed sin, undealt with sin, causes a breakdown in our communication with God and thus specifically with our prayers. Scripture tells us this, your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will never hear. Now, I want you to look carefully at that verse. It's not that God can't hear your prayers. It's that God will not hear your prayers if you have unconfessed sin in your life. He will not listen to them because our unconfessed sin offends him. This means no matter how much we beg and plead, God will not hear us. But not dealing with our sins and what they do to our relationship with God, by by not dealing with them, we're actually showing disrespect to God and disobeying God's word. Now let's make sure we know what the Bible is saying here. Let me just sort of level set this. It's not saying that you don't need that you need to reach it's not saying that you need to reach some level of or state of perfection before God engages your prayers. It's not saying that. It's not saying that you have to be sin-free. It's not saying that you have to uh, not be struggling with something or that you've never had a slip up with your life or that you've gotten sloppy or you couldn't or you could do better. What it's talking about are those areas where you are actively rebelling against God and you just don't care. You've decided that you're going to do it anyway with a to-heck-with-it kind of mentality. You're going to do it whether God likes it or not, whether the Bible says it's wrong or not. But according to the Bible, it is wrong, and that's serious. So if we have unconfessed sin going on in our lives, the answer to our prayer is grow up. You've got to deal with the fact that you've got sin that's creating a barrier between you and God. And God says, I will not hear your prayers when you're not in a right relationship with Him. So that's the first thing that could be wrong with us. Here's the second thing that could be wrong with us. Unresolved conflict. Specifically, unresolved conflict with other people. You know, the reality is this. We're responsible for what we know, and the Bible gives us some clear instructions about the consequences of broken relationships. Jesus says this, if you enter into your place of worship and about to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you, abandon your offering, leave immediately, go to that friend and make things right, then and only then come back and work things out with God. So understand this, worship at the temple in Jerusalem centered around making sacrificial offerings for the people to receive forgiveness for their sins, so people could be in a right relationship with God. This was how God had taught people to deal with their sins before Jesus became the final sacrifice for sins. And so, this is what God ordained, so it was good. But Jesus is pointing out that getting our relationship right with God— without being in right relationships with others was incongruent. It didn't go together. Wanting to be loved and forgiven by God without loving and forgiving others goes against what God has taught us. In fact, Jesus tells the disciples a parable where he points out that we, if we won't forgive others who have sinned against us, then God won't forgive us. Now, We shouldn't be shocked that broken relationships would hinder our prayers because relationships matter to God. So much so, the Apostle Paul says this to husbands. He tells them to be good husbands to their wives, to take care of them. Why? So nothing will hinder your prayers. Broken relationships in our lives are the wrong thing, and they can hinder our prayers. The final reason God may tell us that we need to grow up and deal with our lives is one that may catch you off guard. It's selfishness. That's right, being selfish. The Apostle James wrote and he said that God doesn't answer our prayers because, he says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. One pastor writes this, if your prayers are are along the lines of make me famous, make me rich, make me have a good time, make all my dreams come true and always give me the very best parking places, you probably aren't connecting well with the Spirit of God. You know, we can get creative with this and pray, God, make me so rich that I can give lots of money away. And he writes, do you know what the answer is to that if you aren't giving it away now at the level of income you have, you won't give it away when you become rich. Generosity isn't about margin. It's about, the, about the, your spirit connection with God. When we ask God to do things for us and our reasoning is wrong, God knows. He knows the motives of our hearts. So if we're praying and asking God to do something and you haven't heard no and you haven't heard yes... Maybe God's saying, listen, you need to grow up. You need to become more spiritually mature. So spend time reviewing your life and confess your sins. Work on restoring broken relationships and make sure your motives aren't self-centered. And of course, the final possibility when we pray is that God can say, yes, go ahead and do it. In Psalm 37, we read these words. Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Look, there's nothing more than God desires than to give you the desires of your heart. Jesus understood this. That's why He said this. He said, you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now, asking in Jesus' name is not a formula, but it's a reminder that when we ask God to give us the desires of our hearts, It needs to be in the context of what God's will is, because anything that we ask in Jesus' name has to be within God's will. He wants to bless us with the desires of our hearts. He wants us to be connected with him. He wants us to pray, and he will answer all our prayers. We just have to trust that he answers them in the best way possible and continue to follow him. So remember that opening story I told you about Doug and Bob, where they had that challenge? I want to give you a similar challenge today, although there's not going to be a $500 gift or penalty attached to it, okay? But I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to pray specifically about two things for the next six months every day. One of them, I want you to decide what it is, but here's the second one. I want to give you a little parameter. I want you to pray for somebody who doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, someone who doesn't have a relationship with Him, and every day. I want you to pray and ask God to answer those prayers. And when you get an answer, please let me know so we can celebrate it as a church. When when you get an answer, uh, please just let us know so we can celebrate it. We want to be able to do that. But here's the thing. I want you to remember the story about Bob. Remember as Bob began to pray for Kenya, doors began to open that led to him getting involved with his time and his energy. You start praying about things. It's not about you sitting on the couch and God off doing everything. He's gonna actually open doors that you need to walk through to be a good witness like Bob was, to be able to actually live out your faith like Bob did. So I wanna encourage you and challenge you to begin those prayers today for those two people. So we're gonna move into a time of prayer right now. And and this time of prayer, I'm gonna do actually a couple of things. I'm gonna invite you to pray your two prayers. But then I'm going to basically walk through a prayer for anybody who who's heard about prayer today and what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, but's not a follower. And if you want to become a follower of Jesus today, then I'll give you some phrases that you can put in your own words and pray silently back to God, either here or online. And then I'll close that prayer with a time of silent confession because we're going to celebrate the Lord's uh, Supper today. And as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, scripture tells us that we need to come with uh, prepared hearts and we need to confess that sin. So wherever you are, if you would bow your heads and let's pray. God, we thank you that you answer all of our prayers. And so this morning we commit to you these prayers that we're going to start praying for six months. We're going to pray at least for one thing that we decide on our own and then for a person that we know who doesn't believe in you to come to faith in you. And Lord, we look forward to you answering those prayers. And Lord, we say, yes, we will go through any doors that you invite us to go through in the answer to these prayers as you work in this universe to do those things. And now for anybody who's never put their faith in Jesus, I want to encourage you to to take these phrases that I'm going to give you and pray them back to God silently wherever you are. Here's the first phrase. Dear God, I believe in Jesus. I believe that Jesus died to pay for my sins. So today I confess those sins and I repent of them. And now I desire to follow Jesus all the days of my life. And then we'll close out that time of prayer. And I invite all of you in the silence to spend some time confessing your sins to God and asking for forgiveness. God, we thank you that when we confess our sins to you, you're faithful, you're just. You forgive us and you purify us from all of our wrongdoing. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.